the Ensminger's internet was out, so th they came on out to have church with us this morning. So uh, we've got Corey and Scott and Michelle with us this morning, and don't be hating on them. They're here. They live right next door to the church. Uh, that, but their internet was out because our internet is out. They couldn't even watch the service online this morning. So I said, well, go, get on down here. What's one week early? Uh, we are uh, right now in the process of setting up for the return back to on-campus worship next week. I'm going to talk a little bit about that at the beginning of this message this morning. So bear with me. I'm going to begin this morning's message out of Ephesians chapter 1. And my message this morning is see it like God sees it. I want you uh, to come into this place next week with a, an, an air of expectation. I want you to come in with a, uh, a mindset that, that no matter what has already happened in the past eight weeks, nine weeks, that God is about to do some good thing. And I want you to start seeing things in your life. I want you to start seeing things on a international and a national level and on a church level and a spiritual level. I want you to start seeing things like God sees it. It is very important for you to begin to stop looking at carnal things and to experience things through the eyes of God. I want to begin this morning, uh, I, I don't know, I've took out a bunch of uh, seats here so we can social distance when you get here. Uh, I'm not sure that's a, a real smart thing because I was dancing all over this place this morning. There's, there's just like one big dance floor for, him, for me to cut a rug here this morning. So they got into, I'm going to see a victory, and I was spinning and turning all kinds of ways in here. So uh, praise God. Uh, we're excited about uh, what is about to happen. We're excited to open back up uh, for service next week. Um, there's going to be some differences when you come in. There's going to be some things that we won't be able to do for a while and for a season. There's going to be some ministries that are not going to be taking place. I've already addressed that in the 10-minute video on the uh, church Facebook page. I'm going to speak to some things this morning uh, about uh, where we have been and uh, not so much about where we're going, but why we have been doing what we're doing and what we're going, why we're going to be continuing to do what's asked of us. Ephesians chapter 1 is where I'm going to take my text from this morning. Paul is writing, and he begins in verse 1 by addressing the church at Ephesus. says, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, to the saints who are at Ephesus and who are faithful in Christ Jesus, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us, pay attention to this, with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. Just as He chose us, I want, I, this is where I want to begin my sermon this morning. Just as He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world. That means before Corona, God was. Before whatever calamity you have been facing in your life, God was already there. And not only was He already there, He already chose you. So that means that God has not been taken by surprise by whatever it is that you find yourself in the middle of right now. And even though He knew you were going to make the mistakes you were going to make, you were going to fail Him the way you were going to fail Him, and you were going to battle what you are battling, He chose you anyway. That right there is a shouting moment. You ought to just go ahead and just dance around. Fran, Ron, some of y'all ought to just be dancing right there because no matter how bad you have messed this thing up, God still chose you. He knew you were Judas, and He chose you anyway my God in heaven so he chose us before the foundation of the world that we would be holy 
and blameless before him. I love this. And this is why I used this, this version of the text this morning. In love, he predestined us and adopted us as sons through Jesus Christ to himself according to the kind intention of his will. That word uh, pre predestined has been used by some denominations and some churches to pervert scripture and say that uh, uh, God has already chosen who's going to be saved. That's not what that word means. I'm going to break that word down for you in a few moments. But first I'm going to direct you over to Psalm 37 and 23. That tells us that the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. And God delights in his way. The steps of a man are ordered. A good man, a righteous man, any man that God has chosen, his steps are ordered by God. I wish I could get this into your spirit this morning so you would start seeing things the way God sees them. Because some of us feel like life is beating us and battering us and abusing us and causing us all kinds of calamity, but your steps have been ordered by the Lord. Somebody more important than your problem has been ordering your steps. I wish I had somebody in here to help me shout and I'd run the aisles in here this morning because somebody needs to hear that no matter how bad you have failed, no matter how many times you have made mistakes, no matter how many times you have lapsed in judgment, no matter how many times you have failed in faith, God has ordered your steps. I am where I am today because this is where God wanted me to be and I took the wrong path to get here sometimes but here I am anyway and hell needs to hear you testify that no matter what he has done against you, it has a stop God from getting me right where I was supposed to be. He, he, devil, where God wanted me is where I ended up. My God in heaven. See, see, you need to understand that when you start seeing things the way God sees them, you stop. You can't have double vision. You can no longer see things the way your former self saw things. You have to start seeing through the lens of heaven. So, so, so here we have Ephesians, the book of the New Testament that is equivalent to Joshua of the Old Testament. Ephesians is a power book. It is a faith book. It describes graphically a particular type of believer who is focused who is going to possess the promises of God come hell or high water. Now I am speaking to somebody this morning, I believe, who is focused and wants to possess the promises of God. Can I get a witness from somebody? See, we need to be people who are focused to possess the promises. Right now, as the world is turned upside down, we need to be people who say, well, if God sees it, I want to see it. If God says it's true, I'm going to believe it. If God wants me to have it, then my, bless God, my steps are ordered by the Lord, and I'm going to walk into my promise. You know, during this lockdown, there's been a lot of questions. There's been a lot of opinions given. There's been a lot of people throwing accusations, and it has really, it has really been an indictment against the body of Christ. Because we've had Christians attacking Christians, people attacking pastors and churches. Some opened and they got criticized, and some stayed closed and they got criticized. I'm just going to give you a pastor's heart for just a few moments. I wrote a few notes down uh, in my uh, chicken scratch handwriting this morning because I wanted to share a pastor's heart before we open this place next week. The changes going forward, you're going to come into church and we're going to usher you in and seat you. 
and we're going to social distance and keep our, our, our positions where we're going to be in. And, and we're going to have the bathroom facilities open, but they're going to be uh, clean and sanitized after you use them. And we're, we're not going to congregate and hang out in the foyer in the lobby. And, and people are going to say, what's the use in even having church? Well, number one, if I could come into the anointed place and be in the anointing, it's worth the trip to church to me. I, I, don't, I don't ever come to see you anyway. I come to be in the presence of, of Jehovah. And he says, where two or three are gathered in my name, there I'll be in the midst of them. And I'm here to see him anyway. But we do enjoy the fellowship and we do enjoy the time together. But right now we have to, we have to uh, maintain a certain decorum. And some of you are going to look at this and say, no, we don't because we have the, we have the constitutional right. Let, let me share a pastor's heart with you, can I? Before I begin this message this morning, I was reminded of what Paul said. He said, when I'm around the weak, I became weak. He said, I found common ground with the people that I was around in hopes that I might save one of them. Do you understand that there are people that are afraid of this? There are people waiting in the wings to accuse the church. Let me just share something with you that I have not publicly shared anywhere. I am convinced, I am absolutely convinced that wicked men have conspired with demonic forces during this corona epidemic to create confusion. And because wicked men have conspired with demonic forces, this is not over. I'm not talking about people getting sick. I'm talking about the accusations. I'm talking about the fiery darts. I'm talking about that as churches begin to open up, the media is going to get more involved than they were in the past, and they're going to look for places to attack the church. And, and, and I'm going to be honest with you. If, if, if I, as a pastor, did not consider your health and your well-being, I wouldn't be very much of a pastor because I cannot preach to you that I am pro-life and only care about unborn children. If I am pro-life, I have to care about your life as well. I have to care about your wellness. I have to care about the senior adults that could get sick and die from this. So we have up until this point and going forward in the immediate couple of months future, we have a plan laid out where we're going to, uh, when we're around the week, we'll become weak with them in hopes that we might win one. So we're going to do what we have to do, and it's going to be a lot of work. And it's going to be a lot of sanitizing, and it's going to be strange. But we're going to do what we have to do in hopes that we might win one because no matter what else happens, if we can save a soul from hell, all of it's going to be worth it. So let's talk about seeing things the way God sees them. Ephesians is an action book. Ephesians is not for the weak. Ephesians is where Paul tells us before we go out of the house, we need to put on the whole armor of God because there are fiery darts of the enemy that are going to come against us. We began Ephesians chapter 1 by finding out he predestined us. By the time you get to Ephesians chapter 6, you are wrapped up in the armor and the breastplate of righteousness and the helmet of salvation. You've gotten up the shield of faith. You have taken up the sword of the Spirit. I mean, by the time you get to the end of the book of Ephesians, you are a warrior equipped for warfare because Ephesians is an act 
instruction book. It's not for believers that are uh, 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 milk toast and, and so show up at Christmas and Easter only. It's for the believer who is willing to step into the flooded Jordan River and say, it'll roll back when I get to it because God has ordered my steps. This is the kind of book that Ephesians is. The ones who have decided that possessing the promises of God are not optional. If God said it's mine, it's mine. And I shouldn't have to ask hell's permission to step into God's promises for my life. I want you to understand, though, that just because God's got a blessing for you does not necessarily mean you're operating in it. Things do not generally just work out. You make them work out. The reason we have so many divorces in this generation is because people get married with the mindset that I hope it works out. Our grandparents went to the old school where they didn't hope it worked out, they made it work out. They came home at the end of the workday because that's where they lived. And they weren't always happy about it, but they did it because this is broke and I'm going to fix it. Joshua starts out in the Old Testament with a promise. God said, I've given you the land. I want you to go and possess it. Ephesians starts out, God has given us all spiritual blessings. See, Joshua challenges us to possess what God has given. Ephesians uses a phrase, predestined, which means he has set us aside for him. My God in heaven. He has given you all spiritual blessings. You say, Pastor, I don't feel very blessed. Well, just because I give you something doesn't mean you possess it. The word predestined, the word pre means before. Destined means end. So before the end. Before the end. He has before ended whatever hell you're going through right now. Have you ever noticed how God don't get tore up over your mess the way you do? Have you ever noticed that when you go to pray to God, you don't find Him wringing His hands and worrying Himself sick about how you're going to get out of this? It's because He's been somewhere you have not yet been. He's been to the end of that thing. Whatever that thing is that you are facing, He's already been to the end of it. And not only has He been to the end of it, the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. That means that today, because God's already been to the end of my problem, God is maneuvering me and shifting me and ordering my steps to get me from where I am to where He's taken me to. He is moving me where He wills, not where hell wills. Uh, if God has predestined you, that means that no matter what you're going through, it's not a mistake. It's not a tragedy and it's not the end. If God predestined me, that means I'm not a mistake. You may have been a surprise to your parents, but you were not an accident. The circumstances of your birth and surrounding your conception may not have been favorable, but make no mistake about it, if God did not want you here, you would not have made it this far. It, it, you, you have something on your life that hell is jealous of. It's called destiny. And it doesn't matter who your earthly mother and father is. You may not even know who your earthly mother and father is. But God got you here. And He orders your steps. And He's got somewhere for you to go. Have you ever been watching? I like to watch suspenseful movies. I like to watch uh, really, really funny movies or really, really tense, suspenseful movies. 
You ever watch those? Uh, the, the kind that makes you grind your teeth, kind that makes you chew your fingernails, and your heart races. Maybe you start twirling your hair. I don't twirl mine. But if you got some hair, maybe you can twirl yours. And have you ever watched that kind of movie that got your heart pumping, and then you watch it with somebody else, and they ain't seen it? And you watch them bite their fingernails, and maybe they start jiggling their leg. Maybe they're over there vibrating the whole couch. And they'll be like, oh, no, don't open that door. Don't open that door. Oh, I can't believe. I can't watch this. I can't believe they're doing that. And you sitting over there all calm, cool, and collected saying, it's going to be all right. The reason you can be so calm, cool, and collected is because you've already seen it. You've seen the movie. You know what's going to happen. You didn't make it happen, but you know what's going to happen. When you take your mess to God, that's making you bite your nails. That's making you vibrate the couch around the house. When you take your trouble to God, when you take your, your the devil's got you backed up against the wall, and you take that mess to God, God has already seen the end of this thing, and he's already watched you order your steps through the mess. That's why he's not nervous about what you're going through. The Bible says he foreknew our end from our beginning. And we are praying about what we're in right now rather than where we're going to end up. And he's saying, don't worry about what you're going through right now because none of that will stop you from getting where I'm taking you to. I have predestined you to end up somewhere. In fact, I'm helping you get there. The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. All things, what's that, Paul? Some things, most, most things, all things work together for the good. Doesn't say all things are good. It says when you mix it all together, the good, the bad, the ugly, the indifferent, when it all gets mixed together, it all works together for the good of them who love the Lord, who are the called according to His purpose. So it's going to work for your good. Maybe you ought to say that to yourself this morning. It's going to work for my good. Oh, He left you? Good. That'll end up being good for you. Oh, you lost that job? Good. That'll end up being good for you. Anything that comes against you will work for your good. Because if, if it wasn't going to work for your God, good, catch this, write this down, tweet this out. If it wasn't going to work for your good, God would intercept it. God would interrupt it. God would change it. God would move it out of your way. Because he has predestined you to get somewhere to serve him. And he's going to move stuff out of your way. You wonder why they left you? It's because they were holding you back. You wonder why they're not part of this chapter? It was because in that chapter, that's not where God was predestined you to be. He's moved stuff. He's intercepted stuff. He's interrupted stuff to get you because he's ordering your steps. you got to see it like God sees it. That's why the Bible says to see glory in tribulation. Are you kidding me? Glory in tribulation. That means we got to praise God when we have enough and when there's no food in the cabinet. That means we praise God when things are going right. But we also have to learn how to praise Him when everything's falling apart. Because we are coming to an expected end. 
Bible says no weapon formed against me will prosper. It doesn't say it won't get formed. It doesn't say the enemy won't use it to beat me with. It just says it won't prosper. It might push me. The weapon your enemy forms against you may be the very thing that God uses to push you into your destiny. But it can't keep you out of your destiny. Because whatever God has predestined for you shall come to pass. Now, I'm not going to keep you much longer, but I do want to take you over to John chapter 4. And I'm going to share about five verses with you. But first I'm going to tell a little, a little backdrop. Jesus and his disciples are about to make a journey to do a missionary trip where they're going to see the blind eyes open and the lame to walk. They're going to be followed around by crowds that are going to be so large that it's going to scare the Sanhedrin and all the priests at the temple because Jesus is about to explode in popularity. But on their way to that assignment, Jesus makes a proclamation. I must go through Samaria. Now the disciples did not want to go through Samaria because the last time they went there, the Samaritans tried to kill them. They were not uh, too disappointed when Jesus said, I must go to Samaria. He didn't say, we must go. So Jesus said, tell you what, boys, I know you're scared. This is the Mitchum unauthorized abridged version. I know you're scared, boys. You don't have to go with me. Why don't you go down to Wendy's and pick me up a Baconator and a small chili? And then I'll meet up with you later. And the Bible says that he went down to Samaria. You know the story. He met a woman who in the heat of the day was at a well. He tells her about worship. They talk about the worship on the mountain or the worship at the temple. He expresses to this woman out of her, if she would drink of the water, he offered her that out of her belly would flow living water. You know that story. But what I want to point out is what begins in verse 31. Because the disciples came to Jesus. And they've been down to Wendy's and ate. And verse 31 says, the disciples were urging him, saying, Rabbi, eat. You sent us to get you some food. Now eat. And Jesus answered and said something that sounds crazy, especially if you like Baconators. He said, I have food to eat that you don't know about. Now, how do I know that these boys had been to Wendy's? Because listen to what they say in verse 33. So the disciples were saying to another, nobody brought him any, did they? <laughs> the disciples said, we went all the way down there, and Peter, you was in charge of bringing Jesus back his small chili. Because Jesus had just told them, I have food to eat that you don't know. They think Jesus is being sarcastic. They think Jesus is being a smart aleck. Oh, I see that you went all the way down there and came back, but I don't have no food. I got food to eat that y'all don't understand. And he says, nobody brought him any food to eat, did they? And Jesus said in verse 34, and catch this and I'll, I'll get out of your way. My food is to do the will of him who sent me to accomplish his work. Now, I'm going to talk more about this on Wednesday night because I'm going to dig into this knowing the will of God. But I'm going to skip over that right now. But I do want to pay attention to the first part of this verse. 
my food. Jesus said, my food. My food. What is food? It's substance. It sustains life. And Jesus said, what sustains my life is seeing things the way God sees them. What sustains my life is walking in my purpose. My food is to do the will of Him who sent me. Jesus said, I don't have to have anything else going in my favor as long as I'm doing what God put me on this planet to do. I did not choose this. I certainly did not choose to stand in a pulpit and preach to a camera and a few select people in the... No, no, no. I didn't choose this profession. This chose me. And I have been sustained by this for over 20 years because this is the will of the Father for me. This is what He made me to do. And if I was doing anything else, I could be successful, but I would not be in my purpose. Jesus said, my substance... I am sustained by staying in my purpose. Can I tell you that until I finish the work God put me on this earth to do, you could shoot me and I wouldn't die. You think I'm being sarcastic? I'm telling you the truth. You could run over me with a bus. And if I die, that means God's done with me. But if God's not done with me, I will get up and dust myself off and go to the hospital to get my broken bones set. Because I'm not finished until God is finished with me. Do you hear me? I get in that black tundra every day and drive on these highways knowing how some of y'all drive. And I don't ever get afraid because I know I'm going to get there and back until God has fulfilled His finished work in me. I may hit a rough spot of ice. That whole truck could fall apart, fly off of a cliff, send me caravaning down over a mountainside, and I will come back up over the top carrying what's left of the steering wheel and an air freshener up around my neck. But I'll come out of it if God's not done with me yet because until God has finished His promising me all of hell can't kill me some of you know it to be true some of you know that you've got family members that were taken out by drugs some of you have family members that had sexual perversions that took them down some of you have family members that have went to jail and you would have ended up just like them but you walked out of it didn't you because your steps have been ordered you saw things the way God sees them, not as your circumstances saw them. And I want to pay attention to verse 35. John chapter 4, verse 35. And this is how Jesus frames things. He said, I want you to see things the way God sees them. You ready for this promise of victory? I want you to see things the way God sees them. Here's what he says in verse 35. I want you to stop saying there's four months before the harvest. How many of you are sitting, wherever you are sitting right now, some of you on a recliner, some of you in the bed, some of you may be watching on television. How many of you are still sitting there waiting? Some of y'all fitting to. Some of y'all are always getting ready for something. I'm getting ready for a blessing. Here's what Jesus said. I want you to see it like God sees it. He said, I want you to stop saying that there's four months before the harvest. Behold, I say to you, lift up your eyes. Look at the field, for they are already white with harvest. He says, disciples, 
You're seeing things the wrong way. The harvest is white. Your problem is not that you don't have blessing in your life. Your problem is you're looking at the wrong stuff. You don't see your situation as your harvest. And you can never walk in a harvest that you can't see. You're praying for friends and God's already deposited them in your life. You're praying for a blessing and God's already sent them to you. You're praying for an overcoming spirit and God said, I've already put in you what you need. You just need to walk in it. You see a crisis. God sees an opportunity. It matters how you see things because you always go in the direction of your vision. That's why Jesus was sleeping in the bottom of the boat when the disciples were freaking out. Because he knew that hell couldn't make a storm that could stop him from getting to the other side. You can go to sleep in a storm if you know that your destiny is on the other side. Because God is going to protect you no matter what. Come hell or high water, I'll walk into my destiny because God has ordered my steps. When you understand your purpose, turbulence will stop upsetting you. Remember how you upset you used to be? You don't, you don't believe me? Let me talk to you about perspective for just a minute. Do you remember when you were little and you used to get upset when mama would say, bedtime, you don't get upset anymore, do you? No, anymore, you're like, is it, is it socially acceptable for a grown person to go to bed when the sun is still out? Uh, you don't get upset anymore, do you? It does not bother you at all because your perspective has changed. Uh-huh. There are things that used to tear me up 10 years ago that I don't lose a minute's sleep over anymore. There were things that I used to worry about that today are simply no longer worth my time because I have real problems that need my energy and I don't have any leftover energy for that mess. You learn how to put your time into things that are productive and to stop giving so much attention to the plans of the enemy for your life. Because if I start speaking to the negative, to the broken, to the lying problem that is in front of me, I give energy to that thing. Whatever I give my attention to, I give life to. And some of us are giving so much life to the negative that we're not seeing our field is white. Our harvest is now. You're waiting for months for a harvest that Jesus said you are knee deep in the middle of you are knee deep in the middle of your blessing and you're waiting for months to grab it he says your harvest is white see it how God sees it he said your harvest is white boys they must not have known because you don't say things that are obvious when I walk up to somebody and introduce myself of course you're not allowed to do that anymore you got to wave at them. But when I introduce myself to someone, I may introduce myself, depending on what setting we're in, uh, as pastor. I may introduce myself as bishop. I may introduce myself as Albert. Depending on what setting we're in, I introduce myself. But I never say, I'm a white man. It's obvious. I don't need to point out the obvious. There's certain things about me I don't have to tell them. I don't have to walk up to them and say, hey, take a look. Hazel eyes. I don't have to say it. Crooked nose. Big feet. Don't have to tell them. If they're in my presence, they can see it. But here's where we miss it because the harvest doesn't always look like a harvest. 
He said, boys, you've got a harvest and you're waiting for it and it's already here, but you don't see it because you don't see it the way God sees it. Harvest don't always look like a harvest. Success don't always feel successful. Did you know that? Up doesn't always feel up. Did you know you could be up and depressed at the same time? And some of us feel like that if we're not walking on cloud nine, we're not up. But God can be blessing every area of your life and you still feel like the bottom's about to fall out from underneath. Do you understand that? Because the harvest doesn't always feel like the harvest. A good marriage don't always feel like a good marriage. Sometimes a good marriage is just a stable one. Sometimes a good marriage is just that at the end of the day, you didn't kill each other and you both ended up in the same house. It's not always roses between the teeth. It's not always trips to Tahiti. Sometimes it's, we survived. High five. You've got to learn how to appreciate and see your harvest the way God sees it. A great kid does not seem like a great kid when you're raising them. Because no matter how great they are, they do got issues. And sometimes we focus more on the... Sometimes we focus more on the issues than we do on the greatness. You've got a harvest, but you don't see it because you don't see it the way God sees it. Our focus is on our problems, not on what we have. And that's why some of us, many of us, don't know what we got till we lose it. Because we don't focus on the harvest when we're standing in the middle of it. Remember when you were young? You remember? You didn't know you were young. You knew folks was old. You didn't realize you'd be one of them folks. Do you remember when you were young and you didn't think you looked good? And you look at your pictures now and you feel like, if I could look that good again, hallelujah, uh-huh, if I could get that hair back, I'd grow another mullet. And, and, and when you were young, you was always trying to, if you had straight hair, you wanted curly hair. If you had curly hair, you wanted straight hair. If you was a blonde, you wanted to be a brunette. If you was a brunette, you wanted to be a redhead. Everybody was always wanting to change everything. And some of you be like, now, if I could just have some hair, I'd take whatever heaven would give me. If I could just go back and fit back in them jeans. I used to hate what my mama used to dress me in, but if I could go back, I'd wear them jeans, mama. Your harvest is white. Your perception is off. Your harvest is white. Your perception is off. I'm going to talk more about that the next few Wednesdays. When we talk about the will of God, when we talk about the perception, how you perceive things, how you set unrealistic expectations, and you're always let down because you're always expecting things to work out a certain way, but it's not God's way, it's your way. That job you got is a better job than you think it is. There's people praying to get the job that you are complaining about. I wish I had a witness. That relationship, it's better than you think it is. Your harvest is white. Your perception is wrong. This time in your life, I know, I know you sound like a Rice Krispie factory when you wake up in the morning, snap, crackle, popping all over the house. But this time in your life, it's better than you give it credit for. Some of you wish you could go back 30 years and raise them kids again. I say some of y'all because I don't want to go back and raise mine no more. If I could speed up the process and, 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 and just get to the end of this journey and see what God's got for me, hallelujah. But I, I got, listen, he's sitting right back there. I ain't telling tales out of school. If I had to raise that one again, mm -mm, no, not going to happen. 
not interested in the least. Some of y'all only think that your life was good 20 years ago, 30 years ago, or some of you think, if I could just get to 18, if I could get to 21, if I could be married, can I tell you that none of that is as good as you make it out to be in your mind? All of that stuff that you fantasize about, when you get to the fantasy, you realize this is more nightmare than fantasy. Who wrote this fantasy? Stephen King? See it like God sees it. <laughs> so you can be in the middle of your harvest and not notice. And usually somebody has to come along and show you how good you got it before you realize the harvest is white. And can I tell you, and this is the sad part, and I'm going to leave you with this thought, usually it's the enemy who shows you because he makes you sick. And you realize that that aching back that you complained about, if you could get rid of this sickness, you'd go back to that aching back and never complain about it again. It's usually the enemy who comes along and reminds you how good you got it because he makes you depressed. He starts bringing gossip against you and slander and stress. And all those things attacking you makes you look around and say, you know what? I had it pretty good. At the end of the day, my mama did a better job than I, I used to cry. I used to go in my room and throw everything I had against the wall and complain about my mama, but now my mama's gone and I can't tell her anymore how much I love her and my mama did a pretty good job. She kept me from getting it because you know what you tried to get into. You know where your mind was going. You know where your, your soul was trying to lead you. That debauchery that the devil was trying to, that, that he was trying to usurp his destiny onto your father's destiny. But God put somebody in your path like a mama or a grandmama or a pastor or a youth pastor who is helping you order your steps because God knew you was going to take the crooked way to get there, but you was eventually going to end up on your knees with your hands raised saying, glory to God, I have to have Jesus in my life. Your destiny was bigger than your problems. But you don't realize it until you've lost it. You know what? Everything I've been through, and everything I'm facing right now, it's been worth it after all. And that's hard to admit. That's hard to admit because some things you don't feel like could be God, but the Bible says all things work together. God may not have brought that stuff into my life, but He can sure use it. Pastor, my harvest ain't white. Everything in my life has fallen apart. My marriage has fallen apart. My kids have fallen apart. I've lost my job. Everything in my life has fallen apart. Good. Good, because that is a chance to recalibrate. That is a chance to rededicate and refocus yourself. Because the devil's always trying to get you looking at what could happen or what did happen. Anything besides looking ahead and seeing your harvest and seeing what God so I just came to speak into somebody's destiny because we're about to come out of this thing. I, I don't think we're done yet. I don't think we're finished yet. I think the devil's still got another wave of attack he's going to send specifically against the church. Don't come to me and tell me how the church has been attacked because the bars were shut down too. I know, I know Walmart was open. I'm glad Walmart was open because I like to eat. I'm glad Kroger and Walmart was open. I'd hate to be out in the yard chasing around Luann and Dave's chickens. 
So I'm glad some places was open for me to get some grub during this period of time. But, but listen, it wasn't just the churches that were shut down. So were the bars. So, 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 but I'm telling you that there is going to be an attack coming specifically geared against the church. And that's why we have to be on our best behavior. And we have to show the world that we can follow the guidelines and still bring the glory of God into the house. So, so we need to see things the way God sees them. And you need to know, and I came to speak specifically to you, we're coming out of this, and you need to see how big your harvest is that is coming into this next season. Some of you need to know that your harvest is going to be pressed down, shaken together, and running over. Some of y'all need to just go ahead and start making some room. Now, in my mind's eye, I can see Fran right now just going and grabbing mason jars and Tupperware out of her cabinet saying, I got some room, church. I got some room, God. Holy Spirit, I got some room. Because she's crazy like that. I got a few crazy folks watching me. And I can see some of y'all just going around and making room. But I'm telling you that you better clean out a closet. You better get your cannon jars ready because your harvest is coming. And when you recognize and see it the way God sees it, you're going to say, there's a blessing, I'll snatch it. There's my blessing, I'll take it. I don't care what hell does to me today because God's ordering my steps and come hell or high water, I am coming out of this. So if you can stop becoming distracted by what is going wrong and begin to focus on what is right, I believe God's about to open the windows of heaven. And pour you out a blessing, the likes of which you've never seen before. If you can agree with that, reach your hands toward whatever device you're watching right now, whether it's a phone or an iPad, or just reach it forward right now. I want to bless you. God, in the name of Jesus, I'm breaking curses. I'm speaking life into dry, dead situations. Every person under the sound of my voice right now that has taken it upon themselves to see the harvest that they are currently standing in right now, God, send their blessing. Forthwith and post-haste, God, open up the windows of heaven. Throw open your windows and pour them out their blessing that you have been sitting on and waiting for them to recognize. Let their eyes be opened. Let their spiritual heart be open. I know they don't get to see their children the way they want to, but show them how blessed they are. I know they're mistreated at work, but show them how blessed they are. I know that their body doesn't respond the way they wish it would, but show them, God, how blessed they are. Let them see like you see. I know they feel like nobody loves them, but show them all the people in their life that love them, care for them, and take care of them. God, sometimes we miss the forest for the trees because the enemy is good at making us have focus on the wrong things. And today, God, I want the blinders to come off. So they can see like you see. In the name of Jesus, open their eyes so that they can witness, God, their harvest that is already white. We're not waiting another four months. My harvest is now. I'm loved now. I'm blessed now. I'm healed now. I'm highly favored right now. Now, I'm not waiting until my next season to be blessed. Hear me, devil. I'm already there. My harvest is now, and it's already white. In the name of Jesus, I claim it, and I declare it. Amen. Amen. If that's you, if that's any of you, put it in the comments right now. 
just begin to say, that's me. That's me. My harvest is now. I'm not waiting another four months to say, God's going to do something in my life. No, he's doing it right now. You're going through divorce. God's doing something. You laid off and not coming back to work. God's doing something. Understand that what, what you're going through is not who you are and it's not your destiny. What you're going through is propelling you, maneuvering you, positioning you for what's coming next. I'm not waiting on another blessing. I'm already there. God bless you. Promise of victory. I'm going to be doing a, a couple, at least one, if not a couple, of video updates uh, this coming week. Please go to the Tidely app or the website and claim your seats for service. Um, I'm going to go ahead. I'm going to do something radical and crazy. See there? We already got the place kind of getting set up. Hey, there's some people over there. Hey, look at there. There's some church folk. Hey, hey. So there it is. We've got, uh, we've got social distancing going on in here. And we are ready to uh, begin having services. Go and claim your seat, though, on the Tithely app so that we know how many people are going to be coming. We may not have to do that but uh, uh, once or twice, and then maybe the crowds aren't going to be as big and we'll be able to condense them. I don't know. Uh, but, but do go and help us out by claiming your seats. And I'll be doing a video update this coming, uh, uh, this coming week to remind you and to help propel do I need to tell them something? It is on the, on the Povcog app. So it, it, most of you have the app, the church app, it, or you can go to the website, either one. There's, there's a, if you don't claim your seat, it ain't because you try. It's, it's, it's out there. It's available. So uh, just let us know because um, uh, we've got it limited to 40. I think if, if we hit it right, we could actually hold more than that. So we may end up only having to do this one week or maybe two weeks. I don't know. Uh, but help us out. God bless you. We love you. We can't wait to see some of you back in service next week. Until then, hold fast to your promise. Your harvest is now. God bless.